This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center and host of Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking. Join us as we explore issues that relate to you and your family, from mental health obstacles and family interactions to handling life disruptions. Whatever the issue, let's try to figure it out together. You can listen live Tuesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Jay White. I'm here today with Jeremy Thompson, the Hattiesburg computer doctor. Everyday Tech is MPB Think Radio's show about consumer technology and your very own personal IT department, all wrapped up into one convenient package. We can help you fix it. We can help you keep it safe. You do both well, so you're in good hands, regardless of what's going on in your tech world. We want to hear from you this morning. Got any tech problems, issues, or questions? Or do you have a story or experience to share with us? What did you get for Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever it is that you celebrate over the holidays? What did you get? What tech gadgets did you get? Jeremy, I got a little tablet we could talk about. I had a question about how maybe uh, you, how you can overclock those things or soup them up. If you can even do that, you can email us everydaytech at mpbonline.org. So whether you got some tech and you've got some problems and you can't get it to start right or work right or you can't get it on track or whether you got some some tech or you got a great gadget over the holidays and you're excited about it and you just want to tell us about it. Jeremy, good morning. What's going on, man? How are you? Hey, good morning, Jay. I uh, tried to enhance my sound a little bit. Uh, one of my buddies was listening and he said that uh, did the quality of the sound wasn't too great. So I hooked up a boom mic Ooh. and uh, I, hope it, I hope it sounds better. Um, I can hear the AC unit humming outside, so I hope that you guys can't. I've got the gain turned all the way down on this thing, and it's still picking that up. Then again, well, it, it sounds it sounds really good from, from good. my perspective. So yeah, I think, Excellent. I think you got it. I, I should have done this for the show that I hosted. Maybe would have right. It would have come through a little better. Uh, that was quite an experience, man. Um, it's definitely different being in your seat for the show because when nothing is being said there's just like dead silence on the radio and it's kind of scary but um i enjoyed getting to do that man that was uh that was a lot of fun and it was good to uh, get jermaine on the show and uh get her involved in what we do here it was uh it was an experience Absolutely. Jermaine's fantastic. She's been uh, an incredible addition to uh, the radio department here at Think Radio. So, hey, what, what's been going on with you? What, what, what's Christmas and New Year's Eve, or I guess New Year's week, or that this, this little, uh, little time that was between Christmas and New Year's Eve? How's that for you business-wise? Do you, you get a lot of folks that are like, hey, I got this, and I can't figure out how to make it work? Or, or how's that work for you? Well, right now, everything on campus is completely shut down. So I just wait for calls to come in and then I go pick up deliveries or go on site and fix stuff. And I trying to keep myself busy, just getting my house cleaned up from all the holiday stuff. Yeah. Um, I did want to say Happy New Year, everybody. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. 
it's uh it's awesome to be here in 2023 uh this week i have been uh fiddling with uh quickbooks on a dead windows install client's computer died before the holiday and um we need to pull all the quickbooks data and they were running uh I think they were running Windows 10 on that machine when it died, uh, but the version of QuickBooks they were running was 2014, and so I started setting all that up, and uh, it was like, hey, this doesn't work with Windows 10, and I was like, shut up, you're gonna, you're gonna. <laughs> so uh, whenever you reinstall stuff like that, you have to figure out what the old product keys were and stuff, so I had to go digging in some uh, Windows files to, uh, to find out the uh, old installation information. And it's funny because, like, I, I hate QuickBooks. I hate working with it. But, I mean, you know, I'll do whatever I got to do to get the job done. Uh, right. But because I don't really encounter it that often, I mean, I used to when people were migrating to online. Um, but I only encounter it every once every few months now. And I have to remember how to how to do all this stuff every time. And it's like, oh, man, why don't I ever write <laughs> this stuff down? Yeah. Yeah, that's the way I am with uh, Photoshop. Uh, like that. Yeah, I'll, right. I'll have a I'll have a couple of rounds during the year where, for some reason, I, I have to use Photoshop a whole lot. Yeah. For several things, and you know, I, I'm I'm capable with it, but I'm certainly not a pro. Uh, but I'll get handy with it for you know because of several weeks of fairly heavy use and then i'll go like six months without having to use it and then <laughs> right. when i get back into it i don't i'm like how did i how did i make this before and i forget all the shortcuts and everything like that <laughs> and i'm having like i have to go back and i have to find a youtube video to you know how, how to do this or that or set this setting and that setting and things like that so i, I understand completely what you're talking about right there it's always fun to pick up some some old software and try to try to remember how to do stuff with it. Yeah, absolutely. 877-MPB-RING is the number, 877-672-7464. Jeremy, you and my boss, Jason, both sent me a link uh, over the course of the week to uh, this big story. Uh, yeah. You sent, you sent me the link from Engadget that the, the, the right to repair bill that is uh, it, it's it's highly regarded because I, I think a lot of people think this is going to set a precedent for how, yeah. these, how these laws and bills are going to go down and if it's going to be a federal thing or if it's going to be handled you know state by state and if that's the case what does that mean how's that how's that going to work politically along lines in different places you know you got pockets in the country where it's more progressive this thing will probably work better and other parts where it's conservative a lot of people have some issues with it, and that's certainly understandable. Um, but uh, New York's governor has signed the first right to repair bill, but at the last minute, a lot of concessions weakened the rules, um, and it'll only apply to new consumer products sold after July 1st. But uh, um, <sighs> se seven months of, of haggling over this. Jeremy, your thoughts on this, the, the, the right to repair bill. And we've done several shows on this before. Uh, and I guess if you want to, Jeremy, you know, we can back out to the 30,000 foot view. And for folks who haven't heard us talk about this, you could, you can, you know, kind of expound on this, this whole thing and, and your position and, and what this, this bill in New York means to us. The floor is uh, yours, I, I suppose, uh, essentially. <laughs> well, uh, basically, the right to repair is 
a consumer's ability to fix something that they have purchased. And to, to nutshell it, companies believe that they should be able to lock down their software and their diagnostic tools and all the things that you need to fix their equipment behind proprietary software that requires you to have an agent of that company in order to fix that problem. And it could be something simple or it could be something complicated. To them, it really doesn't matter because a service call is a service call. Um, the big issue with this is that we, of course, believe if we purchase something, that product belongs to us. We should be able to modify it, fix it, repair it, do whatever we want to it because it belongs to us. Well, the companies do not agree. Even though your cell phone has been purchased by you, you own it outright, hopefully, unless you're still making payments on it, which that's understandable too. Um, mm -hmm. But you don't actually own it. You own the uh, the casing that it's in, but you can't do anything with it. You do not have permission. And so basically, uh, hackers and fixers, repairers, have tried to go through the proper channels to get recognition that we should have the ability to repair these things. And this bill in New York was kind of like a Hail Mary for the right to repair. It was going to set a lot of precedents. It looked really good on paper. And then at the last minute, they just took everything that it could have covered out, basically. So like you said, it only covers things that are manufactured after July 2023. Well, you know, 10 years down the road, that'll be great. But for now, for all the stuff that we currently own that we cannot repair or work on or modify in any way, um, it doesn't it doesn't help us. So literally all the work that's been pushed forth so far is just kind of null and void at this point. And these companies and we're not talking about just tech companies. We're talking about like John Deere. Um, Pretty much any company that has some kind of uh, equipment that uses some sort of software, they can lock this thing down uh, to the point where you you have to have one of their people to fix it. Uh, but it's it's very very frustrating for people like me. And now you know you might be thinking, okay, well he owns a repair company, so of course this is frustrating for him. But no, this is frustrating to me as an individual because as someone who owns a repair company. I've been getting around these limitations for years and will continue to do so because where there's a will, there's always a way. You hear that, Apple? You hear that, Google? <laughs> you hear that, John Deere? Where there's a will, there's always a way. Having said that, this is bad for the end user because they can continue to say that the things that you want to repair on your devices can cause you physical harm or create security risks and then lock you out of repairing those things. We've also seen poor attempts from companies to allow individuals to repair their own stuff. Um, I can't remember the exact value of the, the kit that Apple sends you, but I think it required a $1,200 deposit to replace a battery. Hmm. This is an obvious attempt to make it look like they're trying to be the good guy here and provide repair avenues for people that want to repair their stuff on their own. But this is bogus and this is a smokescreen and they use these things 
to limit it and make it seem more complicated. Who on earth is going to say, okay, I want to fix the battery in my iPhone. Let me put $1,200 deposit down so that Apple can send me this really crazy, stupid, complicated kit that makes this extremely simple process very complicated. It, it, as soon as somebody sees that price, they're going to go, no, I'll just, I'll just either take it somewhere or get a new device a new altogether. It's exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's the price and that's, of a new phone. That's their goal here is to continue to keep you as a customer. So that's why they want you to trade your old device in and upgrade to the new one where they're trying more and more to lock this thing down and limit our ability to fix it. For many years now, Apple has made it harder and harder to fix their devices to the point where now when you put a third-party screen, which works exactly the same as another screen that goes in an iPhone, it's not OEM, but it functionally is the same. When you put that screen in the phone, it will tell you that it's not a genuine Apple part. And they continue yeah. to do things like this to discourage people like us from fixing our own stuff. It's it's really it's one of these things where companies basically write the legislator legislature and they swoop in at the last moment and they add a few things to a bill that just makes it basically useless. And uh, there's a gentleman named Louis Rossman, and he is uh, basically like one of the biggest advocates of right to repair. Um, I believe he actually helped put a lot of this together. Um, he's. He's extremely frustrated. I don't recommend looking him up. Um, his language can be rather colorful. Yeah. But he means well, and he knows that these companies pull all these different tricks and try to convince us that we can't fix our own stuff because it's dangerous or because it's it's not safe. Yeah. It's a smokescreen, and it's one of those things that if we don't continue to fight this stuff, they're going to continue to to push over on us, and it's going to cost us more and more to own these things that we don't actually own. Right, right. Uh, so this bill, uh, and again, it's in New York, the changes strip out the bill's requirement for original equipment manufacturers to provide the public any passwords, security codes, or materials to override security features. Uh, OEMs will also be able to bundle assemblies of parts instead of just the specific component actually needed for a repair at a shop uh, like Jeremy's if, quote, the risk of improper installation heightens the risk of injury. Now, see, uh, that's, the language – That's interesting language right there. The language there is what's key because who determines that risk? Yeah. Oh, that's right. It's going to be the people that make it. Well, suddenly we've determined that it's not safe for you to do anything in your phone, so you can't fix it. Sorry. Right. Right. It's a, a a security situation. And that's how vague is that? I mean, you can move that line anywhere, basically, like you were saying. Uh, the rules will only apply to devices that are originally built, used or sold in New York for the first time after July 1st. Now, that's understandable um, uh, in New York. But again, it's everything going forward. There's also an exemption for, quote, digital products that are the subject of business to business or business to government sales and that otherwise are not offered for sale by retailers. Uh, Ars Technica, 
the website reported earlier this month, representatives from Microsoft and Apple uh, pressed the New York governor's office for changes and uh, industry association TechNet, which represents many notable tech companies like Amazon, Google, Dell, Hewlett Packard, and Yahoo. So yeah, <clears throat> as a result, the bill's revised language excludes enterprise electronics, such as those that schools, hospitals, universities, and data centers rely on, and um, home appliances, motor vehicles, medical devices, off-road equipment, uh, previously exempted. So there you go. Uh, and that's, now we're talking about motor vehicles, we're talking about electric vehicles, and we're talking about mechanics, right? Automobile mechanics. Now that's kind of roped in. Um, we're talking about appliances. So that's a, a whole other uh, group of contractors and stuff that's, um, you know, because now somebody like Samsung, who's in the refrigerator business now also, as well as televisions and phones and things like that, now they're roped in. Uh, so yeah, lots, lots of layers to this story. Uh, let's go to Bill in Memphis to start us off on the phones. Bill, good morning. Thanks for calling and thanks for hanging on with us. What's going on? Good morning to you and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Thanks for calling. I have a Lenovo laptop that I just uh, in December upgraded to uh, Windows 11. And it seemed like a couple of days ago, I just can't get sound if I if I try to play YouTube or anything else that requires sound. Uh, hmm. I don't have it in my okay. Windows 10. At the bottom, there was like a, a, a I don't know what little, you call it an icon. Little icon you can click, click on there. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah so so tell me this: um, when you first installed Windows 11, did you have sound and it quit working, or you never had sound? I had sound when it was Windows 10, and I had sound for a good period on Windows 11, and then a couple of days ago it stopped uh, giving me sound. Okay, so uh, down there by your clock, you should see some little icons, and one of them should look like a little speaker. Like a little be able to, uh, it, it should look a like a little speaker. Yes. And yeah. Yes, and there's an X to, next to it. So if there's an X on it, either your sound is muted, uh, go ahead and click on it and see if the device comes up. You see a little volume slider bar there? Just go ahead and I slide do, it and to I the get, right. Uh, it, it will not slide. Okay, so if it, it won't slide, a, then it's not recognizing the device or it's switched to a different device. Can you right-click on the speaker icon and open your sound settings? Okay, you could also... Um, it, you says could hit, go, it says go to settings or edit quick settings. Yeah, so um, no, that's going to be like taskbar settings. Uh, do this. Uh, hit your Windows key and type sound, and it should bring up sound settings. And when you pull up that box, there's going to be a little thing that says output. Tell me what it says under choose your output device. What I'm well, thinking has pair, happened um, here. It says, pair, it says add device. Uh-huh. It says choose where to play sound. Mm-hmm. And... And then it when says no output devices found. Okay, and then it all says right. So new output device. Okay. So it sounds to me, no pun intended, uh, like your uh, your drivers have gotten messed up. So let's um, 
let's hit your uh, Windows key and X, and that's going to bring up a little menu. And in that menu, I want you to find Device Manager. Click on that guy. And then right up at the top, usually it should say like audio inputs and outputs. Do you see something with a red X on it? Yes, it, it does. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, it uh -huh. does. Okay. okay. All right. So I want you to click on that and it'll drop down a list of inputs and outputs that are on your machine currently. Go to the one with the red X. What does it say? It says microphone array synaptic audio. Okay. So did you, uh, did you double click on it? So the one with the the one with the X on it. Uh, if you double click on it, what what does it say under device status? The one with the X at the bottom of the thing of of the screen is that what you mean? Uh huh. Usually it'll say speakers, uh, Realtek audio, high definition audio device, some something to that effect. I, but it I, should have the red X. I'm on a, it. I, I may be in the wrong place here. I'm looking in device manager, the very uh -huh. top. It says desktop M93 QCC2. Okay, so and that's under the that name audio of the audio outputs and. Uh huh. I'm sorry. I no, that, no problem. So that's the name of your computer, and then under that you got the audio inputs and outputs, and you see the X, right? To the to the left of that, there's a little uh, little carrot, like a little downward facing arrow. If you click on that, it yeah. should explode out a list of different devices that are hooked up to your computer. Find the one with okay, the red X and tell up. me what it says. If I click the down arrow, the, mm -hmm. the drop-down menu, uh, mm -hmm. there's only one thing that appears. It says microphone array synaptic audio. That's the only thing okay. that appears. Okay, so what I want you to do, uh, where it says audio inputs and outputs, I want you to right-click and click scan okay. for hardware changes. Okay, I just did. And right. again, it's... The drop-down only has audio inputs and outputs, and then microphone array synaptic audio. Okay, so um, it seems to me like there is definitely a problem with the drivers that are installed for your sound device, and your sound devices, for whatever reason, not showing up as a whole. What you need to do is go to Lenovo's support site uh -huh. and look up the model number for your ThinkPad. You okay. can also you can also click detect product if you don't want to go through the big list of stuff. Um, you'll have to install mm -hmm. a little utility that will help you identify it, and then you need to go to that products page and download the latest audio drivers for Windows 11. Okay, so that's what I'm looking for is audio drivers. Mm -hmm. Audio drivers. Oh, okay. Well, I'll definitely try it and. Uh, All right. I that should fix your issue. Certainly happy to help. Um, uh, so when you upgrade, sometimes an older machine, uh, either they haven't fixed the drivers for it or um, they haven't put out an updated version of that driver that totally works with Windows 11. And it sounds like it just quit working. Mm -hmm. So once you get that updated driver, you should be back in the good. Well, I'll, I'm definitely going to try it and uh, cross my fingers. All right. Well, let us know how it works out for you. I will. Thank you again. All right, let's go back to the phones. Jeremy, I believe we have uh, Charles next uh, from Independence. Charles, thanks for calling. Good morning. What's going on? Good morning, Jeremy. Good morning, Jay. Good morning. Um, let me ask you about something that um, a friend turned me on to the other day. It was uh, HTTPS uh, chat open IA com dot chat. Mm-hmm. Or slash chat. Have you any familiarity with that? 
Uh, yeah, so uh, he's sending you to some kind of an artificial intelligence utility, probably something that you can chat with. Um, there are right. several. He's had lots of luck when he's doing um, applications and, and questions. He said faster than Google. It's, uh, you know, made ads for him, made videos for him. It's it's pretty incredible what artificial intelligence is, is doing right now. They've been using it to uh, write news articles. They've been uh, using it for uh, customer support issues, uh, like company chats. Um, I've heard some of the news, news articles that NPR has done about it. It's it's pretty staggering right now. Um, you know, soon enough you may be talking to an AI on the radio, or maybe I will. They'll be right. calling in and asking questions. <laughs> it, said, it said it made him. Um, you know, literally, he said he wrote a, you know, write books about yourself. It's, uh, he's asking to do a company uh, advertisement for him. <clears throat> Perfectly done in one second. It said he's um, asked how many times the word of God is written in the Bible, and what are considered the most famous quotes in detail. Wow. And he said it's faster than faster than Google. Pretty pretty amazing what uh, remote computing power can do. And one thing you want to keep in mind is when someone asks this thing a question, it doesn't have to think about it a second time when it's asked that question again. So wow. it already knows how to respond to those questions, which is one reason that you get such quick answers, because it's already been conditioned I, to answer so many different questions. I follow, I follow a man on YouTube called Liron Segev, L-I-R-O-N-S-E-G-E-F. And he was covering the other day in one of the videos that it was uh, making a, uh, malware programs and phishing programs oh for him. Wow, and that's, that's frightening. L-I-R-O-N-S-E-G-E-V, I'm sorry, Segev. Charles, we appreciate the call, man. And yeah, that's pretty interesting. And, and that's one of the things that you gotta be wary of, Jeremy, of course, is that for such good that this AI can do, I mean, it doesn't have emotions, it doesn't have feelings, so it can be applied to anything. So the guys with the black hats can do just as much with AI as the guys with the white hats can do. So you have deep fake videos and things like that that we're talking about now. And, and, and dude, some of those deep fakes, that stuff is incredible. And we're only, I mean, it, it can be disastrous what can happen with that stuff. And we're only beginning to scratch the surface on that stuff. It's, it's incredible and also frightening at the same time right yeah definitely when you can put words that aren't in someone else's mouth in their mouth and make it look like it, they said it uh yeah, yeah that's frightening it really is and and that stuff is already legally catching up with people i mean like celebrities i mean it's over man i mean celebrities are just i mean they're buried with this stuff uh yep. let's go back to the phones let's go to ann who's called from west tennessee and thanks for being patient with us good morning what's going on Hey, well, you guys are popular this new year, so congratulations. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank um, you. Thanks for calling in. Well, you're welcome. I love your show. Um, so this is my little uh, frustration for 2023. Um, I guess I'm wondering if Apple and Google are in cahoots because this is what's going on. I have an Apple 11 iPhone. It says it will not update my email until I enter my password. And so then I went to settings, and this is exactly the message that pops up. Settings want to use Google.com to sign in. This allows the app and website to share information about you. 
Well, I say cancel, and it won't let me re-enter my password. It wants right. me to accept, continue. So <laughs> basically what you're being asked to do is authorize with Google, but it's okay that you share that account on that phone. Until you authorize that it is okay, that app will not work the way that you want it to. I you have to pair that. it with Google services. It's just the way that all these different little app connections work. It's actually good that it's asking you this because it used to just do this without your permission. Uh, yeah, but behind the scenes, okay. Yes. Well, right. I guess I guess it kind of puzzles me because it was referencing an update last year in April of 2022, and it said, um, oh, we have this horrible problem now because of that update. And I thought, well, you didn't have it the whole time in 2022, and now you have it now. So I didn't know if there was a workaround. But um, if there isn't, there isn't. Um, is okay. your iPhone up to date? Be sure that be sure be sure that your iPhone is up to date, and also go in the App Store and update the. Uh, well, no, you're you're doing it through the Mail app, right? You're not using Gmail. Yeah, and I don't have any apps yeah. on my phone at all that I put on there. Well, the, yeah, they come baked in with a lot of stuff, but you definitely need cool. to update your iOS uh, to the most current version. Uh, if there is some issue with Google services, that should fix it, and then you should be able to log back into your email. No problem. Okay, so I need to update my iPhone. What did you say? Uh, just update iOS. Yeah, just, just your regular iPhone oh, update. Right, got it. Okay, well, thank you so much because I knew I could depend on you guys, so thank you very much <laughs> for being there. Happy New Year to you, too, and thank you so much for calling. And, um, uh, boy, we'll put Ann first in line every time. She keeps talking about us like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go uh, right back up into the same area. We've got Jeff, who's called in from Hernando. Jeff, thanks for calling. Good morning. What's going on? Hey, guys. Uh, so I just wanted to share a little um, something that happened to me over the holidays where uh, my iPhone – I knew it was on 11. I knew it was on the way out, uh, but I dropped it, and the screen wouldn't work. And so uh -oh. I had already planned to switch to, an, switch to another device. But we have all of our passwords auto-fill, and, you know, you don't know what you don't know till you need it. So mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I, I'm trying to just, you know, I'm, uh, okay, well, we'll just move everything. It's backed up to the cloud, so let me just go and get on my Apple ID or whatever. Oh, well, I don't remember the password to that. So, you know, we, we a lot of times I think we're that we depend on that forgot password a lot. You know, so yes. we go through this situation and 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 all of a sudden it wants two-factor authentication, which uh -huh. sends you a text to your phone which won't open so you're in a spot <laughs> yeah you need to put a new screen on that old iphone 11 if you want to get your stuff off of it i think well i got a better idea there's this thing called recovery key and how important that is to write down and and physically have it somewhere other than on your phone uh it, it would have saved me a a lot a lot of time of trying to get this information back so that that's my tidbit of advice today is that recovery key that's in apple for your apple id write that bad boy down and put it somewhere because uh 
you're 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 up a a, a creek when when you don't have the phone itself. Uh, there is another app that you can use for two-factor stuff called Authy, A-U-T-H-Y, and Ooh. it holds on to your two-factor information uh, in a cloud-based account. So if you switch devices, all you have to do is remember that password for Authy, and you can get in and get access to all your two-factor authentication. Um, that is extremely frustrating dealing with the two-factor jump especially when you're dealing with some oh, yeah. apple related thing and you're trying to log in on on the phone in your hand and it's like oh hey we see you have an ipad sitting at home in your living room uh we just <laughs> sent a code to that give us that code and we'll uh we'll let you into your iphone that's clearly yours um that's probably one of the biggest <laughs> things that we deal with now is just having the right devices to be able to get back in. Um, in addition, or, or, if you... Or it's, or it's saying it's sending it to device so-and-so, and you're like, what is that? Where right. on earth could that be? Or I haven't... You know, well, that's yeah. a tablet I haven't used since 2011 or something Right, like that. exactly. So um, if you use well, the I... Google Authenticator, I don't know about other authentication apps. I'm sure they do something similar. But with the Google Authenticator, you can... Um, you can export your passwords via a QR code. So you just have to take a picture of it and then transfer it to another device. Well, I have two phones because I always keep my old phone just in case, you know, something goes bad with the one I've got in my hand. I can always switch my business operations over to the other one. Um, but I make sure that those codes are on both phones. That way, if anything happens, I've always got a backup. Yeah, it was pretty frustrating. I'll tell you how I got around it was uh, taking the SIM card out of the old phone, putting it into my wife's phone at the computer, saying, send the author, send the text message. Then you would get it. Then you quickly put it back in the other phone. And uh, you can imagine she was not happy after about four tries of that. So. Uh -huh. <laughs> I've... Uh... I've been there. I've done all that for sure. Uh, usually yep. with a situation like yours, I would just temporarily put a screen on your phone long enough to export all your data and then just get it back to you with the cracked screen. Uh, and second part, uh, I was going to ask, and I can take it off the air sometime, but do you have any uh, password keeper programs? Uh, I use LastPass, but I understand that they just recently had a, uh, a breach. Uh, just wonder what y'all thought about those types of apps. Um, if I'm not mistaken, LastPass actually uh, encrypts all the information on the server end. So even if they have a breach, it's just a bunch of garbled data. I do need to read into that to make sure, um, but I'm pretty sure all that info is encrypted. Okay. Jeremy, uh, what do you think about password uh, uh, programs in general? I, I think he was asking, do you think they're good or bad or whether you use them or not or you know, whatever? Um, it's one of those all your eggs in one basket kind of thing. I think that they are useful, but they enable us to fall into a situation like Jeff did, where he's locked out of everything because they're all in that one place. Yeah. Um, with something like LastPass, you know, you're able to log into it on your devices and pull your passwords. And again, even if they have a uh, breach, everything is encrypted on their end. So even if somebody has that information, it won't do them much good unless they have the decryption key. Yeah. So that's a, a lucky break for LastPass users for sure. Um, I've had some people speak very highly of that. Some of them are in uh, government IT. Uh, so I, as far as I know, 
you know, those guys vet their stuff pretty well. Uh, that's yeah. supposed to be a pretty solid program. But I personally don't use any kind of password memorization type thing. Um, I don't even save my passwords in my browser most of the time. I just have kind of a, a password rule that I play by. And so far, that's uh, that's done pretty well for me. I don't really like storing passwords because, you know, so often I'll have a client come to me. Oh, I can't remember my password for this. I can easily get into their browser and pull all their passwords out Yeah. Um, to the point where it makes people uncomfortable. And I'm like, look, you do not want just anybody getting their hands on this type of stuff. If you save your password, especially because if they don't mean well, it's extremely easy for them to get access to your stuff. Having said that, um, most of your accounts these days should be, if they're not by force of the uh, the companies that host these accounts, they should be secured by two-factor authentication. Um, one way that you could check this for your own accounts is to go into incognito mode in your browser. Um, usually that's uh, Control-Shift-P or Control-Shift-N in Chrome, I believe. Um, isn't that right? I'll have to open so, yeah. Chrome now and check it. Um, but yeah, you can open an incognito browser. And what that will do is it will allow you to approach a website like you've never had any cookies installed on your computer, like it doesn't remember who you are. You can go and try to log into one of your accounts. And if when you log into that account, you are prompted for a code, then it's protected by two-factor authentication. If you log directly into that account with just your username and password, you need to go into the security settings and set up two-factor authentication. This is the new year. It's a good time to start practicing some good security habits. It's always a good idea to lock those things down and make sure that they are safe. Is it easy to get to where you can change what that second factor of authentication is? It depends on the website. Uh, some of them, yes, and they will let you use, you know, your own authenticator app. And some of them still require you to get a code sent to your phone. And while we're talking about these codes, a lot of times that I'm working with my clients, they want to write down these codes. These codes are disposable. They are only good for about 60 seconds in most cases, and then they disappear. So you don't have to write them down, but you do have to protect them. I have, I have in the last year, I have, I've helped many people whose accounts were, uh, we can't even call it hacked really because they gave away the key, mm -hmm. um, but their accounts were compromised because they were tricked into giving away their two-factor authentication code. So if you're contacted by a company and they want a six to eight digit code from you that they're going to send to your phone, 99% of the time, that is a scam. If you're contacted by the company, I would say it's almost 100% of the time a scam. But the issue is now these companies like Amazon, when you call them, they will actually send a code to your phone to verify that they're talking to you. In this case, you would want to give them the code because they told you they were going to send it and requested it. But that's so confusing for senior citizens. How do you tell them, oh, this is the code you give and this is the one you don't? Basically, if you made the phone call, you can give them the code. If you called a company directly from their 800 number, if somebody calls you on your voicemail, yeah, this is Steve with Amazon, and uh, we need to call. You need you to call us back. Don't call them back. 
And if you do call them, don't give them any information. They should already know about you. Companies do not call and ask for that information over the phone. It's one of the reasons they send that code now. They can just verify, oh, okay, this is definitely the person that we're talking to. But you have to be extra vigilant in protecting those codes and understanding what they do. All right. So, Jay, yes. Yes, um, over, uh, before Christmas, uh, and this is, a, this is a complete uh, segue to a new topic, um, I tried to get my wife a Fitbit. And as an Apple Watch user, guess how long she made it before she decided she needed an Apple Watch SE and nothing less? Uh, 20 minutes. Man, she made it longer than that. She made it, ni- she made it 90 minutes when she finally okay. threw in the towel. I-, I told her when I bought it, I was like, look. This one's 50 bucks cheaper than the Apple Watch. If you're willing to have an open mind, if you don't like it, if you want the Apple Watch, I will come back and pay the 50 extra bucks for the Apple Watch. 90 minutes. <laughs> couldn't, uh, couldn't respond to text. She could get texts on the watch. Yeah. But she couldn't respond to them. And she couldn't make calls. So Apple has done everything they can to gimp the competition and make sure that they can basically operate as a fitness utility and not much else. That's it. Yeah. So the Apple Watch SE2 second gen, uh, yeah, that'd be the two. Uh, that's the one that made the cut. And um, yeah, it was way more than 50 bucks because I had to get the <laughs> care plan on it too. Yep. Yep. Well, see, my thing was I was so reluctant to buy another Apple Watch because I bought her one a couple of years ago and in the last year the crown started getting stuck and it's like dude that's an Apple Watch that thing ought to last forever but yeah. that's that's the that's the hoodwinking that's occurred they used to be quality <laughs> products and now they just put out cheap stuff to make more money off of it it, it really it, it's terrible that that happened to the Apple brand because it used to be so prestigious and so well made and i'm just afraid that's not the case anymore yeah yeah let's uh get one more call in before the end of the show if we've got time here let's get fletch uh and fletch what's going on man boy fellas um jerry if i just heard you correctly it's kind of like changing your battery and your smoke alarm dealing with two-factor authentication you said at the beginning of the year um, reset, make it a tradition to reset some of your passwords. So in my warped brain, I think you were talking about safe sex, S-E-C-T, security encryption computer tradition. You had me go in there for a second. I, I definitely think you said something else. Um, yes, absolutely. I, I don't necessarily recommend changing your passwords because these days with two-factor authentication, the, the code basically protects your account. I mean, you can. It's a. It's a definitely an older security practice that still carries well to this day. But you don't have to go resetting your passwords. I just want people to check their accounts and make sure that they're protected with two-factor. That way, if somebody does get their password, they still can't get access. Okay, I'll see myself out. Thanks. Happy New Year. <laughs> All right, Fletch. Thanks for the call, man. Uh, I mean, yeah. If nothing else, you know, just taking a little time to, uh, you know. 
once a year or so. I'd probably say six months or so might be even better just to stay familiar with what's going on with your passwords and everything like that. Just so you know, in, in case something happens and you lose that information that you know, you're not, you know, three years old familiar with it. Maybe you're six months old familiar with it and that can help you get around whatever the problem may be. It's just one of those things where you can decide to ignore it. And then later on, you're going to be like, Oh, why didn't I listen to those guys on the radio? <laughs> I had every opportunity to do it, and I just decided not to. But either way, if you do make a bad decision, your buddy Jeremy's down here in Hattiesburg to help you out if you make That's any right. mistakes you can't fix. Dude, at Union Center, Southern Miss. Uh, did you get anything? Uh, I think we got like maybe like a minute or 90 seconds. Left. Did you get anything uh, fancy uh, tech-wise for Christmas? Oh, um, I got a uh, Galaxy Watch uh, 5 Pro. I traded my old uh, Watch 4 for it, so I got it for like 150 bucks, which that was a killer deal. Um, yeah. It has this new magnetic clasp on it, and I am sad to say that I was putting on my jacket this weekend, and it undid the clasp, and it fell, Uh-oh. and it just dinged the body of it so now every time i look at it i look at that ding in it and i'm like oh come on man i've had this thing two weeks i know right (sighs) oh man that's that's his life my uh my kids my four children all got air uh airpods nice so that means i got my airpods back so that's it was almost like a gift yeah intentionally yeah Um, and also got a, a, a Samsung Galaxy A7 tablet. That's the little tiny one, the eight-inch tablet. Uh, oh so yeah. I, I had a bigger tablet and and a gigantic um, laptop. So I was trying to get a little bit more mobile, and uh, that was uh, what I got. And it's uh, it's been awesome so far. Hey everybody, thanks for calling and thanks for listening. Stay tuned. Coming up next, it's Southern Remedy. It's Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Jeremy and I will be back next week at ten for Everyday Hip right here. Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.